Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our text today comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 26, verses 7 through 13. Let us now hear the words of the Lord. The way of the righteous is level. Straight is the path of the righteous that you clear. In the paths of your judgment, O Lord, we have placed hope. Your name and your renown are the soul's desire. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the earth learn righteousness. If favor is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. They corrupt what is upright on the earth, and they do not see the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the fire for your adversaries consume them. O Lord, may you ordain peace for us, for indeed all that we have done you have done for us. O Lord, our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but we acknowledge your name alone. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, your spirit is like that of a refiner's fire, burning away the slag, the impurities, the dregs of our lives. So during this time of worship, May your spirit fall upon us, and in falling upon us, may our ears be open so that we would hear your words ever so clearly. May our souls be open to you, that we would receive the, that we would receive the transformation of your Holy Spirit. May our very lives be yours so that we would leave this place as your humble servants, not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. If you were to use a clipping service for all the headlines this week and they sent you a report this morning, it would point out the following things. It would remind us that the Israel-Hamas war has entered its third month after a brief ceasefire of just six days, that the Ukraine-Russian war was going on its 654th day with intense fighting shoring up positions and fortifying bunkers in anticipation of maybe a winter lull in the battle. 
The Houthi forces in Yemen attack shipping in the Red Sea. Terrorist acts are on the rise in Europe. Clashes continue on our college campuses over free speech, political discourse, and anti-Semitism and hate speech. Another act of mass violence has been committed on a school campus, this time at UNLV. And that there has been shootings and fights and stabbings here within our own city. And you take these clipping services and you put these headlines to the side and then you begin to look around and realize that the stress of Christmas and maybe even going to the semester end has exposed fissures in our friendships. And some families are still recovering from Thanksgiving, things that were said and things that occurred when they were gathered last and are looking ahead to what will become at Christmas and New Year's. And we take all of this news as depressing and as sad as it can be, and we ask ourselves, isn't this the season? Isn't this the season that we, the followers of Christ, gather together to celebrate and to seek peace on earth? Last week, we lighted the first candle of the Advent wreath, the candle of hope to burn the darkness away and a reminder that God is with us and that God would send a son to save us. And one of the very names that that text records, just as Lyon read it earlier, was Prince of Peace. He shall be called the Prince of Peace. And if that's what he's come to do, to forge a way of peace in our world, then why is there still so much strife amongst us? Why is there still so much strife around the globe? Have we not paid attention to what God has shown us in the mission and the ministry and the life of Jesus Christ? Are we doing all that we can? Are we doing what God has called us to do? Or is God calling us to do yet more? And so if we talk about this idea of decking the halls of our homes and the churches and our businesses for the celebration of Christmas, and last week we talked about decorating the, our hearts with hope, then maybe we ought to decorate our lives with peace. Maybe we ought to decorate the halls of our world with God's peace. So read Isaiah's words, again, we're reminded that he wants us to understand, he's trying to help us understand this gift of peace that God has promised. He writes to the Israelites on behalf of God, and he tells them about the peace which will come that, that Christ brings to us. He says in verse 7 and 8, the way of the righteous is level, straight is the path of the righteous that you clear in the paths of your judgment, O Lord, we have placed hope. Your name and your renown are the soul's desire. What he's telling us is to put our whole trust in God. To put our whole trust in this one that sends the Christ child to show us the way of peace. But then quickly, Isaiah moves to verse 9, and he tells us to earnestly seek that peace 
in everything that we do. And then he reassures us at the very end. At the very end of the text, he reassures us to know that God will bring peace if we watch, if we wait for it, if we do our part and remain faithful. In other words, if we engage in these actions, if we, this Advent, if we engage in this idea of building peace in the world around us, then what happens is this candle of peace that we've lit this morning, that just like the candle of hope, it burns brightly and chases the darkness of the headlines to the corners of the earth. As Isaiah speaks to the people, he reminds them that God has led the people before. That's what this idea of Right are your pathways, smooth is the path of righteousness. This idea of your name and your renown is reminiscent of when God led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, led them across the Red Sea and through the wilderness to the promised land. So he's reminding them to say, if you think you're lost, hold on, God will come save you. God has led us before and God will lead us again. And see, we know the rest of the story. We know what happens with the birth of Christ, that God is showing us the way. He talks about this path of righteousness. He says it's one that is level and easy. It's much like, say, the Muddy Creek Greenway. If you've ever walked on that, it's as smooth and flat as the center aisle of the sanctuary. Yet much like greenways where it's easy to see the path and easy to walk it, sometimes we become distracted. Sometimes we become distracted and we take our eyes off the path in front of us and we go and get off the beaten path and that's where trouble finds us. And so in this season, it's as if we're chasing and two seasons are coming together and clashing. There is a season of advent, of hope and peace, and yet at the same time there seems to be a season of strife in our world in our community, in our homes, maybe even in our very lives. And so in this clash of seasons, we've got to hold on to what matters most. We've got to hold on to the light. We've got to deck the halls of our hearts with this peace. Remember that this season of strife is not what God wants for us. That God has shown us periods of peace in human history, and that's what we've got to work to get back toward. And that if we anchor our lives in Christ and we chase this path of righteousness that God lays out for us, if we anchor our lives and if we'll walk that path, one that is smooth, one that is easy, one that is without distraction and without obstacle, if we stay focused on that, then the peace will come. So when we begin to understand what it is that we're to do and what it could look like, then we ask ourselves, then what do you want from me, O Lord? And we hear it in verse 9. My soul yearns out for you in the night, meaning my soul yearns out for you in the darkness, in the strife. My spirit with earnestly seeks you, meaning God's will, but also God's peace. Friends, this is the work that we are called to do. As followers of the risen Christ, as followers of a child born in a manger, born to save the world, we are called to be agents of peace in the world around us. And we're to seek it earnestly each and every day. 
But let's be very clear with ourselves. Peace is not simply the absence of active conflict. That's just a ceasefire. That's just a truce. It starts there, but that's not true peace. That's just sort of putting things on pause. Think about the Korean War where right now North and South Korea are divided by the DMZ. Or think about the six days in the Israel-Hamas war where there was supposed peace when really it was just a pause button so that they could exchange hostages and prisoners. Or think about what happened in World War II on Christmas Eve when in the silence of the night, one soldier begins to sing Silent Night in German, another one echoes it in English, and next thing you know, they are meeting in no man's land between the trenches. Whereas earlier in the day, they'd been trading bombs and bullets, now they were trading crude Christmas gifts of sea rations and whatever they could carve and make in the trenches. Standing around playing soccer, singing Christmas carols in their own languages. But we know what happens in these stories, right? The conflict is still there. And soon the night gives way to Christmas Day. And next thing we know in World War I, we know that the fighting resumes. We know what happens when the six-day truce ends. The bombing starts all over again. See, peace is not just the absence of open conflict, but it's getting to the roots of the conflict. What do you think about it? Think about, say, take the pet waste in your yard. If you were to gather all your pet waste and dig a hole and bury it in the backyard and cover it over with grass, friends, let me tell you what, it doesn't disappear. It's still there. As a matter of fact, if you were to later dig up in that exact same spot six months, a year or so later, it is all still there. None of it is decomposed. Why? Because for that waste to decompose, for that destruction to decompose, it needs light and air. Friends, that's the same thing with conflict. For the conflict that we find ourselves in the world, for the strife that's happening, if we want to seek peace, and yes, we've got to first call a truce, we've got to stop throwing rocks at each other, we've got to start saying mean things, we've got to stop saying mean things, we've got to stop the fighting. But that just puts the pause on it. The hard work of peacemaking, the hard work of peace building begins after that. Once the rocks have stopped flying, then we get to the roots of the conflict. Then we begin to shed light on the junk of this world. We begin to, to let air it out, these complaints that we have. And so we begin to seek what happened. What are the root causes? We listen to each other. We learn from each other. We seek righteousness. That's right living for all. And the goal for us is a solution in which everyone wins, in which the roots of the conflict are forgiven and forgotten about, and it's dissipated, and we can move forward together without holding on to the past and holding it over each other's heads. So often the conflicts in our world, whether it's geopolitical or political, or in our communities, or in work, or even in our families, so often what they are is that we think we are right, and we hold on to that position, and that everyone else is wrong unless they agree with us. And so what ends up happening, we talk over and we talk past each other, we no longer listen. 
But what we know from the headlines alone, what we know from the tension in our hearts and our own families, what we know is that the world desperately needs peace. It desperately needs to uncover the junk and the messiness and the waste of life and shed light on it and give air to it so that we can obliterate it all once and for all. That we can find that righteous path that God wants for us. So what we hear in this text, what we remember on this day as we look at this second candle, what we remember is that we must first stop the fighting but then get to the root cause and seek peace every day and then and only then will we find the peace that God wants for the world. We've heard this time and again throughout the scriptures. We heard the Old Testament prophets talk about that one day that we might be our swords and the plowshares, our spears and the pruning hooks. We hear the cliche about burying the hatchet. Modern day prophets have talked about building the beloved community where we see each other as brothers and sisters, not judging each other by anything other than the content of our heart and working together to make the world a better place for all of humanity. We hear these modern day prophets talk about the peaceable kingdom, a place where we live truly in harmony where everyone's voice matters, where we stop things before the rocks fly, before the harsh words are said. See what Christ shows us, Christ shows us that peace requires sacrifice. Sacrifice of our own position, our own self-righteousness, and instead an adoption of God's righteousness. Peace requires us to adopt a spirit of humility For it's not my way, but God's way. It's what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, that's what peace is about. That we seek to live our lives walking that path of righteousness to do what God wants for us. So as we read the headlines every day, sadly, I think we will see that peace is still an illusion in corners of our world. But the Advent wreath story tells us something different, doesn't it? Look at those two candles there. They burn brightly. One burns brightly and chases the darkness. The second one burns brightly and chases more darkness and gives us not only hope, but a chance at peace. The story of Advent, the story of Christmas says this doesn't have to be our story, one of strife. So as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, we know that God's plan of righteousness still endures, that it still goes on, but we know that we must seek peace each and every day in everything that we do. And we must carry the light of hope in the world for sure. But this week we carry two lights, the light of hope and more importantly, the light of peace. So as you and I go forth in the world, may we do our part to seek peace in the kingdom. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.
Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.